Thank you. guys thank you so we're here today to tell our story um, I'm, a, I'm officially the oldest kid in the outback by a year or two um, and that's why we got the comfy chairs uh, when uh, Dave approached us about telling our story um, we talked to him and our stories a little harder than some of the others. I said, are you sure you want that? He said, yes. Uh, it's something you need to hear and something that we hope will be useful. Um, and then he bailed on us today. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm going to start. Of course, if you don't know, I'm Gino. This is Patty. We've been married for almost 31 years. And in the pictures, our oldest son, Tanner, and of course, everybody knows Logan, the sophomore junior now. So, um, thank you. So, I'm going to, I'll start with my story. Now, I don't have any pictures of when I was a baby or any of that because my parents live four hours away and they don't do text and they don't send pictures uh, so I wasn't able to get any pictures from home but I, I grew up in a Christian home um, we went to church every Sunday every Sunday night every Wednesday night and I went to um, this is the little church that I went to. Um, this is the inside. And I accepted Christ when I was seven years old. I was the first person to be baptized in the baptistry of this church. Um, and I grew up here in this church. And so many of the things that I learned in church here, I found out later just kind of wasn't exactly what the Bible taught. Um, so much of the time, they used the Bible to try and um, make their belief justified. What they, a very, very judgmental, uh, legalistic uh, people. Um, I have a younger sister um, and in our household, we knew our mom and dad loved us, um, but they never told us. We were constantly trying to live up to the standard that was set at this church and never quite making it. And so, as a kid, I struggled with um, who I was, my identity. Um, whatever I did, it was never enough. I played baseball. I never scored the winning run. I 
played football, never scored the winning touchdown. Um, I, I was a nerd. Uh, and that was back before Bill Gates and Steve Jobs made being a nerd cool. Um, and so, but I made great grades, but it never was enough. And so, I, I didn't, I never figured out who I was. And, and so, as I struggled with that, I finally came to the realization that my identity wasn't in what I did or who I, who I was, but in who I knew. And in Ephesians 1.5, the Bible tells us that God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his family by bringing, bringing us unto himself through Jesus Christ, and this gave him great pleasure. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And so I finally realized, this is me. I'm God's special possession. I'm a child of the one true king. And even knowing that, it was still a struggle going through school and and you know, every year I'd go back to school and so say, I'm not going to be the nerd this year. I'm not going to be the nerd this year. But three days in, it was too late. Everybody knew. Um, and, and so so growing up, this was a struggle for me. I don't know. Maybe y'all don't have that struggle. But I, I feel like a lot of us do. Trying to, trying to meet our parents' expectations or some expectations of teachers or coaches and and the only expectation we have is to just right here just just be God's possession be his child and so as a nerd I know y'all find that hard to believe now right but I really was and so um, one day I met this girl wait Who's that guy in the picture? Rico Suave. <laughs> okay, so my story, um, I, I did not come to know Christ as early as Gino did, unfortunately. Um, I grew up in an abusive home until I was five. Um, my father abused my mother continuously, and finally she um, was brave enough to leave him when we moved in with my grandparents, and they were Christians, and they were very involved in their church, and so we became very involved in the church as well, my mother and I. And when I was 10, um, she met my stepfather, um, Benny, and he was such a blessing, and he was the dad I never had. And um, they were married for um, 30 years before he passed away, and, and um, he was a great influence on us because uh, he came from a Christian home as well. His dad was a pastor of a church, and his brother was the pastor of his own church, and so these were wonderful people to be raised by, and their family took us in as if we belonged. I was never a stepchild. I was always theirs, and um, unfortunately, as I got older and 
into my teen years where you guys are now, I started to stray away from the Lord because I started making some bad decisions. And I started hanging out um, with a crowd that did not know the Lord. And um, I started making choices that I regret to this day. And I'm still all the while claiming to be a Christian because I was raised in a Christian home and my grandfather is a preacher and my uncle is a preacher, so I'm a Christian. But my life wasn't edifying Christ and nothing I was doing at that time um, looked like anything that Jesus would be proud of. Then I met this boy. There's that guy again. Who is that? So, we met, and sometime at a different time, we'll tell you how we met. We've got a lot of stories, but uh, 30 years worth. But this was the most beautiful girl I'd ever met. And she was going to go out with me. And so we dated and, um, a while, and she would, she would start to get close, and then she would distance herself. And she, I couldn't figure out if she's playing hard to get or just being coy, or did she finally figure out what a real nerd I was? And then finally she tells me one day that she's moving to Dallas two hours away. And um, I, w- I was devastated. And uh, um, anyway, I, w- I was supposed to help her move. And when it came time, she decided she didn't need me to help her move. But anyway, I wound up following her to Dallas. And we became closer there. And every chance I got, every weekend, I would go to Dallas and see her and spend time with her. And uh, sometimes during the week, I would drive down and stay there and drive back early the next morning. And instead, we, I lived two hours away. And then um, one night, in the middle of the week, in the middle of the night, I get a knock on the door. And it's Patty there at, at, at my house. It was after midnight, and I had come to tell him that I had taken a pregnancy test, and I was pregnant. All the way there, the two-hour drive, I thought about, I'm an only child, and my parents are so proud of me. I'm an A-plus student. I'm in so many extracurricular activities at school. I was just the dream child in their eyes, but I had them snowed. I had them fooled. They had no idea what kind of a life I was living outside of our four walls in our home. On the trip there, I made up our mind for us. I did not want this pregnancy. I didn't want to disappoint all the people that loved me. And I had fallen in love with him, and I didn't want him to feel like he had to marry me. And so without giving him a voice or a choice... I drove two hours to Longview to tell him what I was going to do. And so, as we sat there on the couch, and she told me what she wanted to do, and 
I voiced a concern that this wasn't right, but I, I went along with it, even though I knew it was wrong. Because once, a, once again, I was finding my identity in this beautiful lady. And in looking back, didn't have to come and even tell me. She came so I would talk her out of it. But I didn't do that. I remember even telling her that we'll never speak of this again after this is carried her, I paid for her, I nursed her back to health. And statistics show people, couples that go through this never stay together. On December the 10th, 1988, we got married. But we, we didn't have kids for a long time because we felt we didn't deserve them. Six years later, after we married, I got pregnant again. I was shocked because... I had convinced myself that I was never meant to be a mother. And by this time, after being married to him for six years, I wanted desperately to be a mother. And truth be known, six years before, I wanted to be a mother. Um, we were so blessed um, by God to have this precious little boy right here, who's now six foot six. His name is Tanner, and uh, he was perfect. And I just knew something would be wrong with him when he was born because God was going to punish me for the mistake that I'd made in the past. But he loved me dearly, and he gave me this precious gift who is still a gift to me today. He's just the sweetest, most compassionate person. But after I had Tanner, I knew that there was still something wrong. I'm still missing something. At work one day, I hear someone talking about this play, this reenactment that a church, a local church, it wasn't my church, that they were putting on, and it's called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. And I don't know if any of you have ever seen that, but it is so worth going to if you ever see it come anywhere close by. And they just use the, the people in the church as their actors. These aren't even professional people. But the message was so powerful, and I was glued to my seat, and I knew right then and there that all these years I had claimed I was a Christian. I was wrong. I didn't know who Christ was until after I left that place that night. After it was over with, I gave my heart to the Lord. I went forward. They couldn't have held me to my seat. I was running to the front of that church to give my life to Christ. And I knew right then and there what it was I'd been seeking and why I'd felt so empty and hollow all these years. And I knew what my parents had, what my, my mom and my stepdad and what they'd tried to 
to show me and be an example to me for, for years. And I was so ashamed of the life that I'd lived to embarrass them if they had known. My mother went to her grave, and so did my stepfather, never knowing the mistake that I made. A few years later, which was seven years after having Tanner, we um, had Logan. And again, another blessing that neither one of us felt we deserved. We were scared to death to have another child. And if Logan was here, he would be agreeing that he's quite a blessing. And he's, he's 16. So um, here God gave us two gifts, two people, two broken people who did not deserve to be parents. But yet he saw us differently. And so God gave us our children. And after Patty accepted Christ, we became active in the church that we were going to. But for 23 years, we had a secret. And it was like the leper living in the village that if anybody found out he was the leper, that they would kick him out. And that's the way we felt. And as, as a man, it, it was hard because I always felt like I'd let Patty down. And it was especially hard to try and be the spiritual leader of our family when I'd let God down so bad. How, how can I do that? And for 23 years, times I would be mad at God and say, God, why couldn't you have stopped us? go to bed at night wishing he would just take me home. Because of all these things, a lot of times our marriage was hard. There were times that this secret was the only thing that kept us together. We worked in our church, more thinking that we would make this up to God somehow by doing all these things. And, and we were doing it for that reason. And we'd get burnt out. And one day we wandered into Temple Bible Church. We've been visiting at Temple Bible Church for a couple of weeks, and I'd always heard about when we moved to Central Texas about the Hope Pregnancy Center, and I, because I didn't work, people would ask me, why don't you come and volunteer at the Hope Pregnancy Center, and I would think, I don't have kids, I, you know, I don't, I don't have um, a desire to be there, I don't have anything, I don't have girls, it's real, I had a son, but I didn't have any girls, I can't relate to these people, and so I would always say no, and I would have excuses like, I don't know where that place is. I wouldn't know who to ask for if I went. I don't know their telephone number. 
So we come flying in on two wheels one Sunday morning, as we're prone to do, since I'm always running late. And we sit down, and there's a video playing. And some of you might have seen this video and remember it, because they try to do something every year during the Sanctity of Life Sunday. And it was a video talking about <clears throat> a, a baby at point of conception and then what, as it grows, what it feels. And I was shocked to learn at how early, just a matter of a few weeks, that a baby feels pain. And I fell to pieces, and I couldn't figure out why, because I had this secret that nobody knew about. I didn't talk about it. I had buried it so deep. And I just wept through this video. And after it was over with, they told us to look in our bulletin, and I turn it over, and it says, Hope Pregnancy Center, volunteers needed at this address at this time, show up on this day, ask for this person, and here's the telephone number. I pretty much got the message that day that God was trying to send. So I went that next day, and I signed up at the Hope Pregnancy Center, became a volunteer. But in order to do that, I had to go through a healing process myself. In order to witness to these other women who were about to make the same decision that I'd made years ago, I had to go through some healing so that I wouldn't be hurting so bad with each of them and just fall to pieces and not be able to tell my story to them. So I went to something that they call Rachel's Vineyard, and I learned through this wonderful program that just walks you through God's Word and just loves on you, and and these Christian women surround you and... and, and um, just remind you how much God loves you, shows you in his word where he loves you unconditionally. And no matter what you've done, he has forgiveness in his heart. You just seek it from him. And I knew that this was something that made a major difference in my life. I began to heal. Then I began to stop the crying and the depression and the things that I had suffered from all the side effects from my terrible decision years ago, from the loss of my child. And I learned through also that Rachel's Vineyard, that if I prayed hard enough and I asked God, he would reveal to me what my child was, whether it was a boy or a girl. And I know now that I had a little girl, and I know that I get to see her again one day. And so I thought, I'm going through this healing. Gino needs to be healed as well. So we went back a second time and went through Rachel's Vineyard with Gino to heal. And so, even though I had this head knowledge that, yeah, I would forgive us, and, and I'd ask for forgiveness so many times, I'm, I never could accept that. He says, yeah, okay, you can forgive us. You say that. And, and this verse, 1 John 1, 9, what does that say? It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our small sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that what it says? It says our sins, all our sins. He's a big enough God. I didn't need to make it up to him because Jesus did that on the cross. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. I think Dave, the very first story we had was Dave's, and he had this verse. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boost all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. His grace is sufficient. No matter what you've done, where you've been, 
God's grace is sufficient. I found this in preparing for this. It says grace is the most beautiful word in the language of God. It means love given freely and without expectation of return. And that's what grace is. We didn't deserve this. But God loved us anyway. And even though I don't want y'all to get the wrong idea that you can just go do whatever you want to, God will forgive you. Because even though God's forgiven us, we, we have scars. And I still struggle sometimes with, with uh, thinking I've let Patty down and trying to make it up to her. I used to lose Patty in Walmart. And uh, I would go trying to hunt her down. I'd find her looking at the little girl clothes. And I realized she was looking for her clothes for I looked for her. Now, this story's not something that we really want to tell. But Statistics say that 15% of people will be in our shoes. There's roughly 100 people in this room. That means at some point, 15 of you, and as guys, I didn't let you guys off the hook because you are just as much a part of it as the girls. But 15% of y'all will face the decision that we faced. God's grace allowed us to continue to be a family. This is Christmas at the Mission G house. For all you guys at the Mission G with us, when you graduate from here, you have a standing invitation to come spend Christmas with us. These are our phone numbers. I want you guys to put these in your phone now. Or write them down. I'm serious. Because we're telling you this story so that any of you ever find yourself in this position, and don't say, oh, I'll never be in that position because you don't know. You can call us. And without any judgment, without any lectures, we will come and help you. No matter what hellhole you find yourself in, no matter what time of the night it is, we'll come get you out of there and get you to a safe place. Now, 
hardest part of our story still to come. And that's when we walk up these steps. Because we really don't know whether y'all gonna love us or hate us. Whether you're gonna hug us or turn your back on us. But this story's important enough for us to tell because if we can just keep one person from making this mistake, one person to have to spend 23 years struggling with these things, then it'll be worth it. My last picture. This is a picture of grace. Because you see, statistics say couples that do this, they don't get married. And the few that do get married, they don't stay married. But by God's grace, we beat that. Now, you know, God, I don't think God allowed this to happen. We made this happen. Satan intended for this to tear us apart and tear us up inside. But God had other ideas. Now, instead of baby clothes at Walmart, we're buying Skinny Pop and Dr. Peppers and Elephant Pants. <laughs> so you girls Those recipients will know understand who you that. are. <laughs> Y'all feel the big hole in Patty's heart. Mine too. And so we're going to close out with this picture. Like I said, for us, this is grace. We'll grow together. And hopefully, um, keep coming here, keep being the old kids in the <laughs> outback. But um, we've got, there's some questions on the table. We don't have much time. Y'all can look at those and answer those. Or if you want to talk to us and got questions for us, we're, we'll be happy to try and answer those. Thank you, guys. <laughs>